0: In the grand scheme of things, relatively few people have the opportunity to fly a high-performance jet fighter for real. And those of us who do, we feel incredibly lucky. For everybody else, although it's not the same, these days there are incredibly accurate high-fidelity air combat simulation platforms that are about the next best thing. On this episode of the Fighter Pilot Podcast, we welcome Mr. Matt Wagner of Eagle Dynamics, to talk about Digital Combat Simulator and why he became involved in Air Combat Simulation.
1: One of the reasons I do what I do is the opportunity for me to create the games I've always wanted to play.
2: Welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the internet radio show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and most importantly, the people. Now, here's your host, retired U.S. Navy fighter pilot, Vincent Aiello.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Fighter Pilot Podcast. We will get to our interview with Matt Wagner in just a little bit, but before we do that, we need to welcome back Sunshine. What's up, dude? Hello,
3: Jello. How was your holiday? Fantastic. Went down to Orlando, Florida, and visited Mickey Mouse. Well, you must be happy. It is um, the happiest place, they say. Happiest and most expensive place, yes, sir.
0: <laughs> well, as I've been telling people, this was your retirement honeymoon. Indeed. So probably money well spent. I'm sure your daughters oh, enjoyed absolutely.
3: it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Their smiles were worth every penny.
0: Well, we're going in uh, November, so we'll be Fantastic. getting the, the full data dump from you. Absolutely. Anyway, what else is new? Anything?
3: No, just uh, a retirement officially starts I should say, I finish officially November 1st and I picked up a job with a consulting firm. Right. And I'll be working out of the house.
0: Okay. Oh, out of the house. Oh, dear. Yes. Let me know how that goes. Well, our guest today on this episode works out of the house and it seems to work for him. So hopefully, we'll make it work for you as well. All right. Well, in my world, as you know, but the listeners need to know, I am next week heading to Atlanta. And why is that? Because I am learning a new airplane, actually two airplanes, the 757 and 767. It's like a dual natops qual, two for one. And I guess the uh, rhino and the growler are that way now. They are indeed. Okay. So anyway, I'm learning a new airplane with my airline capacity. And I don't know how busy that will keep me, but I assume it'll be a lot. So I'll be leaning on you to help us out here, dude.
3: Absolutely. Lots of sim time for you, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, sim times and exams and briefs and debriefs and oral exams and the whole bit. So
3: wow.
0: we will be uh, I will be dealing with that. And hopefully though we can still keep the episodes coming and like I said maybe you can help out a little bit of that. Sure thing. So anyway, some announcements for this week. Patreon. We always like to talk about what's going on on Patreon. And sunshine, did you know Mr. Eric Otterson has been our air boss? That is the highest level. That's epic! Nice job Eric. for
3: four months in a row. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Did
0: you not know that? No, yeah, this dude is keeping Eric. us afloat. Uh, <laughs> thank we you. We sent him the advertised pictures twice, and now he's getting a polo and a few other goodies. So he's just been very generous, and we are trying to reward him and we thank him. And he's not a very demanding air boss. He hasn't been real specific with which topics and all that. He's just happy to help, and he sits back. So that's pretty cool.
3: That is excellent. Thank you, Eric.
0: And then we have a new division lead, Jared, who Uh, signed up in the last week or so. And then we have two new strike leads. One is Jabbers, who has his own Patreon page. People can go check out if they jump on ours. They might be able to find him. And then another is Teddy Keenan. Now, Teddy has asked us to give a shout-out to a buddy of his, Dylan Keppel. He says, Dylan is, and I quote, the one who introduced me to the podcast at the beginning of the year. Hmm. He's an outstanding pilot and incredible individual. For as long as I've known him, all he has strived for is to fly jets for the Marines. He has done everything in his power to put him in the best position to make that dream a reality. So big thanks to Teddy for signing up and good luck to you, Dylan.
3: Dylan, giddy up.
0: Yeah. All right. So we have a long episode. I don't want to spend a lot of time on question and answer today, but I do want to do one mea culpa, and that is I did have some listener questions on the phone that I forgot about last time when I said I had none. And one is from Rob, and we'll play that now.
2: Hey, Vincent. Rob Wolbenhorst the Houston, Texas calling. I'm here at uh, Longboat Chief, Florida,
0: going vacation with my uh, spider podcast t-shirt.
2: Really
1: enjoying your podcast out on one of my exercise walks. My question, as a civilian pilot, when you're flying up in the air, I see uh, contrails from most uh, airliners flying overhead. So as a military pilot, when you guys are up in F-18s at high altitude, are you guys leaving contrails, or what do you do to not leave contrails to give away uh, your position visually? Just thought I'd
2: ask uh, that question.
0: Thank you. All right. So, again, that question comes from Rob, who, by the way, has provided me some very good images for our daily Instagram posts. Thank you, Rob. I've seen them. Yeah, we uh, we give him credit on there. So, Sunshine, before we answer this, tell us quickly, what are
3: contrails? So, to me, contrails are going to be, well, the combustion process in the engine is not complete. So what comes out the back will be a a myriad, we'll say, of different elements. And one of them is going to, or compounds, is going to be water Hmm. or condensation nuclei. So you have unburned jet fuel, let's say uh, carbon chains, if you will, coming out the back. Well, they act as condensation nuclei, so the water that's in the atmosphere or that's from the exhaust can actually collect onto the condensation nuclei and then freeze because of the low temperatures. So what you have are basically clouds forming out of the back of the exhaust.
0: It's not a dumbing agent that we put out to try to get the populace under control? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> they think that's what we do in the airlines, and I just think that's hilarious. I, You know, conspiracy theorists. But. All right, so to answer Rob's question, Rob, we really can't avoid the sensation, if you will, that Sunshine just described. We have to deal with it just like the airliners do, except, of course, there is a tactical ramification for us. And to answer your question, what we'll do is if we have, let's say, a division going out to do air-to-air work... We will detach dash two, and he will start a climb, and we'll keep an eye on him, and at some point, if contrails begin to form, we will use his call sign and say to him, you're marking, because marks, if you will, are the good guy, com brevity term for it, and cons are the bad guy. Combrevity term for that sensation. And it's not a sensation. I don't know. Phenomenon. Thank you. Okay. I knew that wasn't right. Anyway, so then he, so what Dash 2 does is he reads his altitude at that moment, let's say 32,000 feet. Then he continues to climb. And if at some point the contrails stop, then we tell him as such. And then he reports that altitude. And if it's, let's say, 39,000 feet, then we know that the cons are between 32 and 39. And so, Rob, to your point, we try not to operate there if we can help it in an air-to-air type environment. And even surface-to-air considerations, we don't want the people on the ground knowing our altitude if they know where the cons are. And so we try to avoid, in that example, 32 to 39,000 feet. Cool. Fair enough. Okay. Thanks for the question, Rob. Yep. All right, and we only have time for one email question this week. This is the oldest email in our inventory. This is from Rob Evans in Catonsville, Maryland. He submitted this back in May, Sunshine, but he has submitted multi-part questions, so sometimes we only do one part and let everybody else have a chance. Anyway, Rob wants to know, why do some squadrons refer to themselves as the, quote, world-famous whatever, insert Squadron name here.
3: Okay. Well Jello, I've never been in a squadron that purports to be the world famous. But Ooh. I can tell you that when I look at squadrons like that, I kinda think, did they have daddy issues? <laughs> so all I mean by that is no 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 malice obviously toward them, but right. it's really there's no formal qualification to become world famous. Hey, did they uh, capture Saddam, did they blow something up? No, it's nothing like that. Right. It's kind of just a moniker that gets tagged on by somebody and it kind of sticks because they put it on a patch and then all of a sudden it proliferates. Sure,
0: it, they are because they say they are. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, when I read this question, I thought of the movie Elf where Will Ferrell's <laughs> character walks by the little <laughs> hole-in-the-wall nasty Congratul- coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. world best cup of coffee. Congratulations. Ah. <laughs> so, hey, Indeed. you're world famous. Congratulations. So, yeah. Yeah, I can think of at least one squadron, maybe a couple Others and then a VFA, anyway, and then a couple helicopter, I guess, squadrons. But yeah, I don't think there's really a good reason for that, Rob, other than they say so.
3: Exactly right, Jello.
0: Okay. All right. So let's get to the interview. Now, a couple caveats before we do. First, it is with our first non military, non pilot, but Ah. no big deal, Mr. Matt Wagner of Eagle Dynamics, DCS fame. Yep. And The interview itself is like an Oreo, essentially. We'll have a standard beginning and end that everyone's used to from the podcast. And then everything in the middle is me kind of just giving some first impressions while I fly the simulator for the first time. So that being said, a couple things. Number one, the audio quality isn't fantastic and there's a lot of downtime. I've done my best to make the audio better and to edit it. But it's still not going to be great. So if you don't find a lot of value in that, don't be afraid to use the little 15-second advance button. I love it. And when you hear good audio again at the end, you'll know we're back to the normal stuff. And then the other thing is that, you know, it's just kind of real first impressions. But in there, we will add some caveats for things that we think are real, or at least I, since you weren't able to make it. And, you know, there might be some nuggets of information, so check it out. But don't be afraid to advance through. And then the last thing is, for whatever reason, we started having some issues again with the audio. we got to figure out what's up with our technology here at Sunshine. Indeed. A little bit like Tailhook. Don't know why it did it. But you might hear some weird audio. And I wanted to leave it because I couldn't go back to Phoenix and re-record it. And you might still find some value. So we appreciate
3: your grace on that. We yeah. do, and, and I don't want you to sell yourself short, though, on your commentary, your running commentary, mm. if you will, because uh, back when I went through test pilot school, the Air Force test pilot school, we would work on different modules, if you will, academic modules, and one of them was handling qualities, and you had to do just what you did. You, Hey, you're given a series of control laws. You're going to fly it for a higher, low-gain task. You have to fly it, evaluate it, then talk about it. Hmm. So your style, if you will, was very similar to what we did in test pilot school.
0: Oh, great. Well, hopefully the listeners will find some value. All right, with that, let's jump to the interview on Air Combat Simulation Gaming with Mr. Matt Wagner. Giddy up. Okay, today the Fighter Pilot Podcast is in Phoenix, Arizona, and we are in the residence of every combat simulation gamer's hero, Matt Wagner. Matt, welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast.
1: I'm really glad to be here, Jello.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for reaching out, dude. So you are going to school me today yeah. on all things DCS. I'm going to st- do my best. All right, and which stands for what? A
1: digital Combat Simulator.
0: Excellent. So about five months ago, when this whole podcast thing started... I thought DCS just meant decompression sickness, because in <laughs> my world, that's what it meant. But someone first asked me if I knew anything about DCS, and I said, well, no, I've never had it, but my friend Vern has. And they said, no, we mean this simulation that we're going to learn all about today. Mm-hmm. And so I've been quickly getting up to speed, and you're going to help me do that even more. We're going to share some information with the listeners. What you do bet. you think? Awesome. Okay, so you've told me you listen to the show. You know the beginning. Yeah, big fan. Okay, great. Well, tell us a little about you, where you're from, and what you do, and in a lot of cases, I ask people to tell us about their careers, and you should too, but i don 't think your career includes any flying, does it?
1: it does not all well, right, a little bit, but me, okay. uh, I guess I uh, grew up in Virginia, all right, and after uh, college, I uh, joined CIA as a uh, uh, analyst for air defense systems, really. And uh, kind of cool things about that. I got to do a lot of uh, bucket list stuff. I got to attend uh, lectures at Top Gun, uh, spend time at the 547th at Nellis, uh, the IADS conferences, and spend a lot of time just immersing myself in combat aviation, which has always been uh, a love of mine. Uh, even when I was 16, was in uh, uh, getting my private pilot's license. Uh, unfortunately, then I had a uh, uh, bad sports injury that prevented me from pursuing that. But uh, nevertheless, really wanted to find a way to pursue uh particular combat aviation in some manner. And that's why, um, after college, I decided to go down the route of intelligence and be able to work with uh, flight crews and aircraft um, uh, after that. But in parallel with that, I've always been a big geek in terms of loving flight sims. Okay. And um, and worked with some different uh, game developers when I was younger, in the 90s and such, um, And uh, they reached out to me, and eventually a couple of them had me come out for interviews. And um, the team who did the uh, Jane's combat simulation aircraft, like the F-15, ended up asking me to come work for them, uh, which I did, and uh, helped design uh, Jane's F-18. Then after that, uh, moved to the West Coast uh, with SSI, which then later got merged into Ubisoft. And that's when I started working with the guys at Eagle Dynamics who do DCS World. And originally, I was their managing producer. And uh, then at a later point, I said, well, you know, I have a lot more fun working for these guys directly. And that's what I've been doing for the past, geez, 12 years now.
0: Wow. And you have the good fortune of working from home most I of the do. time. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> go
1: back to an office now.
0: Well, thanks for having me. This is a beautiful home. No, so welcome. I'm glad to uh, be here learning about this with you. So... Give us a quick summary. I mean, I think a lot of my listeners know, but for the guys like me who don't, what is DCS World?
1: So DCS World is technically a free-to-play game that you can download from our website or Steam, and it comes with a large map of the Caucasus area and uh, two free aircraft, a Su-25T, which is a Russian attack jet.
0: Yeah, the Frogfoot.
1: Exactly. As well as a TF-51D, which is kind of the unarmed two-place Mustang. Okay. And you can you know, download it from our website or Steam, play it around, see how you like it, see how your your uh, computer handles it. Mm-hmm. And then if you enjoy it, then you can actually purchase additional aircraft, uh, maps, campaigns, and so on. So, um, you know, try it, see if you like it. And if you like it, um, and try Hornet out, you know, sure. try flying around the Persian Gulf. Fly anywhere from a Spitfire or a a Focke-Wulf to an F-86 or MiG-15, and then up to modern-day jets like a Hornet or a MiG-29 or Su-27. So, you know, the idea behind DCS World is also to uh, look at different eras of combat aviation over different. Uh, areas. So again, going from World War II to Korea, eventually we're going to be fleshing out the Vietnam era of Phantoms, and we already have the MiG-21, hopefully a MiG-17 at a later point, and then in the modern day, which is kind of where we started. Um, Originally, uh, DCS started with the uh, K-50 Black Shark attack helicopter, then the SU-25T, and then we were growing out since. Um, But even prior to that, we had products like the original SU-27, uh, flanker for the uh, PC and then after that we went into um, was a game called Lock-On, which was more of a uh, survey casual game which featured eight different aircraft and we published that through Ubisoft and it was very successful and very popular but it was at that point then that we decided we want to self-publish and go down our own road and that's when we started DCS World.
0: Very cool. And how, I want to know, do you Make the aircraft so realistic? In other words, the F 18, as many modern fighters are classified into many regards. But you have, I think, and now we're going to go try this in a little bit. For me, I've never tried it, but from what I understand and seen some videos on YouTube, it sounds like you guys have nailed it. How do you engineer the simulation so accurately?
1: Well, there's different components. Um, there's the graphical element, whether it's the external aircraft and the cockpit. Then there's the avionic systems of how you're working the radar, the sensor systems, the steam gauges, everything else. And then, of course, there's the flight model. Uh, Those are kind of the three basic elements. Now, obviously, the first part, the graphics, um, that's primarily done through a lot of research in terms of uh, photos and videos and having SMEs who have actually flown the aircraft who um, can give us advice about what looks right, what looks wrong. Um, In terms of the avionics... There's a, a surprising amount, a large amount of information publicly available. Um, the legacy Hornet and ATOPS, probably everyone and their uncle has a copy of that, <laughs> which you can get probably about 80% of what you, you've, what you need right there. It's that remaining 20%, when you're starting to go into the weapon systems and right. the avionics, the EW suite and things like that, obviously things get much more sensitive, and we have to be very careful. And honestly, actually, one of the reasons why I work for this company is, particularly with my intelligence background, in many ways I act as a firewall to make sure that nothing of a sensitive nature um, worms its way into the retail product. And in terms of doing those systems, it's a combination of finding, you know, no no kidding, public information um, that's not ITAR controlled or in any way classified. And then there's, you know, also, honestly, we'll sometimes look at previous projects, even you know the previous Hornet game I worked on, you know almost 20 years ago, and it's kind of a combination of pulling all those things together to kind of create the simulation um, that's believable. And of course, there's always going to be some elements that, from a security point of view, we're going to either we can't do, or we're going to have to modify. There's just right. really no way around that. The last thing in the world I want is you know black helicopter landing in my backyard taking me away. <laughs> And then the final element, of course, is the flight model. And that's one of the trickier ones. There is a fair amount of um, you know, good EM, not actually not an EM diagram. Those are going to be classified, but some polar charts of what to expect with the Hornet. Um, part of it then comes down to having actual pilots fly um, the simulation. Obviously, we have to be very careful, again, about um, not revealing too much uh, capability. Um, when it comes to the Hornet, You know, of course, there's some sensitivity in its, you know, really uh, high-angle attack, low speed fight capability. And we don't want to give too much away, obviously. Sure. So, you know, sometimes we'll have the information, but we're going to have to be uh, diligent about how accurate we make it.
0: And that was the next question I was forming in my mind for mm-hmm. you because in my case, I have 25 years of experience, and sure. a lot of that is classified. And I have to yeah. constantly filter what I can and cannot say. Absolutely. Are you suggesting you guys have... Certain information that you can't disclose and you have to also figure it out? Or because in your capacity, I would think the only thing you guys have would be the general consumption or unclassified information.
1: Generally, yes, but if you look hard enough, you'd be surprised how much you can find out there in, in a kind of a gray area. Really? Yeah, actually, uh, disturbingly so sometimes. Hmm. And then um, we also, at times, have people with all the best in- intentions will actually send us information through our websites and our forums and such. Um, And obviously we will not use that, cannot use that. So, you know, often we will have additional information, but it just goes to an extent of simulation of particularly a modern aircraft like the Hornet that's still actively used in our services that we have to be very careful about.
0: Now, is that an Eagle Dynamics impetus or who's driving that? Because if it's... Available even in the gray market. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you guys get your hands on it, couldn't an unscrupulous organization say, "Well, too bad. Everyone else, we're going to put this out there." Technically,
1: they could. Right. Uh, If you know where to look, it's scary how much you can actually find out there. Right. Yeah.
0: I remember when I was retiring. They said, even if you find something Mm -hmm. on the internet that you know is classified, you know, they said, "Hey, if you can tell us, that's great." But Mm -hmm. don't acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. Don't just. You know, I guess ignore it, but you kind of just sidestep it and just hope that the sleeping dog lies, right? But in your case, though, what I'm getting at is you guys have taken it upon yourselves to say, we're not going to perpetuate something that might have leaked mm. because this could put our folks in harm's way, maybe?
1: Correct. And um, even to the point on our own discussion forums, we actually had to put rules on there for baiting people from posting wow. uh, links or images of documents that go into areas that are particularly, you know, covered under ITAR.
0: Right. Yeah. What is ITAR?
1: Oh, I can't remember the, the exact a- acronym, but it's basically uh, the transfer of uh, technology and information okay. of a military nature sure. outside the, uh, the U.S. and it, its allies.
0: And then earlier you said EM. I think we mean energy maneuverability diagram, oh, right? Oh,
1: yeah, EM diagram. Yeah. Right. Or, so,
0: um, no problem. Like I said on previous shows, I spent a lot of my time on the show explaining acronyms and jargon. So anyway, just to put that to bed, though, on behalf of my brothers and sisters in arms who are out there in harm's way, thank you. Because a, a less scrupulous company might be willing to just put it out there if it'll make them a buck. But it sounds like you guys are doing the right thing. So on behalf of my military brethren, I appreciate that very much. So tell me about the reception of DCS World. I mean, how many people use it? How many, I don't know if you can measure it, but how many hours per day or how many downloads or how many people? It's pretty well received, as I understand.
1: Yeah, uh, it's gotten a lot of great reviews. Um, You know, we have a large, uh, very large base of people playing it. And partly is, I think, because not just uh, having a focus of modern-day combat, but we've also branched into World War II to Korea and then soon Vietnam, so, you know, the whole basic goal of it has, you know, been a, you know, one simulator to rule them all. And that's kind of where we're going, and it's really starting to show those dividends now.
0: Good. So, do you have a typical demographic for your user?
1: Generally, it's, it's weighted higher than you would have for most gamers. I think our low end is around 25 Years um, old in general, yeah. Okay, and then you know, up to maybe around fifty-five. So it's usually twenty-five to fifty-five or so. Okay, uh, with kind of the bell curve around early thirties.
0: Okay, and, and you you kind of punted. I'm going to hold you to task here on my question. Okay. So are you are you not at liberty to say how many users or how much downloads and all that?
1: No, we usually, okay. uh as like most uh, uh, companies sure. like proprietary. This, we, we keep um, actual sales numbers and user figures um, uh, proprietary information. Sure,
0: yeah, no problem. I just, I figured I'd I'd push a little bit and see if you're willing. Okay. Now, so your latest aircraft, or at least one of them that I'm familiar with, is the Lot 20 F-18, and I'm wondering why that aircraft and maybe not the Super Hornet. It
1: kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about information.
0: Okay. So more available on the Hornet than the Super Hornet?
1: Yeah. Um, A lot more information, uh, more SMEs, uh, subject matter experts available to kind of give us, you know, pointers in the right direction. Uh, this feels right, this feels wrong. Um, But, yeah, just like the Legacy Hornet, there are NATOPs uh, documents available um, uh, for both Super and Legacy, but there's just a lot more uh, additional documents available out there at a, you know, no kidding, unclassified, non-ITAR control um, of the Legacy that allows us to get, you know, a bit closer, but at the same time uh, not putting anybody in jeopardy.
0: Sure. Now, I read on your website something like 40 man years went into, I don't know, was that just the F-18 or was that the whole DCS world? And I, I was wondering how you guys came up with that. That seems like a lot of work.
1: Uh, 40 years is probably more of DCS world. Actually, it may be more in regards to DCS world 2.5, mm-hmm. which was the big update we did over the last year where we updated the engine, the maps, uh, the effects, and many other aspects of the game.
0: Okay. And so we call it a game, and then this is an interactive game, right? So there are, what, virtual squadrons out there? Isn't there even like a virtual demonstration yeah, team with, yeah. like, certain skins on their aircraft and Absolutely. whatnot?
1: Absolutely. You know, a very active <laughs> and dedicated uh, 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 consumer base that, like you said, they have their own virtual squadrons. There's a bunch of uh, air show display teams, um, some with the Hornet, of course, right. some with uh, other different aircraft, like Mustang guys we got some guys using a mod for the F-16, doing the Thunderbirds, uh, quite a bit.
0: And so what will be, uh, pardon my ignorance, maybe the listeners all know this, but what will be the gaming, if you will? Is it a campaign where they're battling each other, or are they just trying to achieve something together, or Mm -hmm. can you pit one squadron against another?
1: So there's both single-player and multiplayer options. Mm -hmm. So if you're playing single-player, you can just jump into an instant action mission, You know, maybe puts you head-on-head with a MiG-29 for a BFM engagement, or has you in an A-10 attacking a column of uh, tanks with cluster bombs and mavericks. Or you could do a mission, which is a much more involved mission with a storyline behind it, different objectives. Or then you can roll into a larger campaign where you have an actual narrative throughout the uh, campaign arc that you know, has, as you say, you know, um, cruising into the Black Sea in a Hornet Squadron, and then you have initial um, uh, missions to degrade the IAD system um, uh, along the coast, and then another missions to go in to hit uh, command and control and then have the Marines land, then going in to do close air support. So you have a much more um, elongated, evolved uh, set of missions that kind of make an overall storyline. So, and then, of course, there's also interactive training missions. And then on the multiplayer side, it's kind of sky's the limit what people want to do. Uh, they could you know, jump in there, and do almost like a quake online of just shooting people down. Uh, they have you know, squadron versus squadron matches, um, you know, ongoing uh, campaigns that people can join in and out of all the time. And it's one of the big areas that we're also looking uh, forward to really improving in the future. Um, the big one being a full dynamic campaign where the missions aren't scripted out ahead of time. But they're actually um, uh, created by algorithms based on the progress of the players' um, actions, as well as the troop movements moving around the map and capturing key nodes and so on.
0: Cool. So I'll draw a parallel to Fortnite because I don't play that either, but my children do. Everybody and does. so they can, they can show up, jump in a match that's right. already going on, or yep. maybe they all start together, but they can also get their friends sure. to jump on and they can see each other, communicate with each other. Is it the same thing?
1: Absolutely. So that's one of the things you can do online is just jump okay. into a match at any time. Mm-hmm. And you could jump in if you don't want to you know, have the stress of combat, you could jump into an aerobatic server. okay, Or you could jump into a server just doing World War II. Uh, so there's a lot of great service out there, uh, offering different types of missions for different types of people.
0: And also now there's carrier qualification with the F-18. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. So that's one of the key parts of the Hornet, of course. And one of the, to me, probably the most fun part is doing uh, the CQ.
0: For sure. Well.
1: But we'll get you in the Hornet doing that soon.
0: Well, in fact, that's what I was just looking for the words on here is I've never played, I guess we can call it, right, okay. DCS. Right. You have a setup in your room over here. Mm-hmm. So why don't we hit pause, go jump in front of that thing. And I think it'd be interesting if we either set up a microphone or I might just have you hold it for me, Matt. And let's start this thing up. I mean, one of the, one of the facets of this show, the Fighter Pilot Podcast, is we tried to bring realism and authenticity to air combat to the listeners. And so we talk a lot about movies because they sacrifice that a lot. And you, DCS Eagle Dynamics, have tried to do that with the F-18. So let's go jump in it. And I would like to provide some feedback for folks as we start it up and fly it around and, and see what my impression is, having having never flown the simulator before.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: Okay. All right, so here we are, Matt, at your setup in your home. And you're running this off a what windows based computer
1: yeah it's a uh, windows pc it's a uh, i7 about four gigahertz and a um, nvidia uh, 1080
0: graphics card with uh, 16 gigs of ram okay and so is that the minimum recommended or what should if someone wants to get into dcs what should they make sure their system can do
1: well, a minimum you could play um, with a like i seven or i five, maybe around like two point five gigahertz, a ten seventy card, and sixty gigs of RAM. But you'll have to lower down some of the uh, the details and the resolution. But if you really want to play in all its glory, um, you'll probably want to have a system kind of what uh, I have here.
0: Okay, and bigger is better for the display, too, obviously, if we're going to play a flying simulation game.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful 4K, but even more so, it's pretty outstanding in VR.
0: Okay. Now, I'm guessing you, this being your home office, have some sort of FireWire direct connection. Does it work okay on Wi-Fi? It does. It does. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we always struggle in my household. We don't have great connectivity, and I'm not a master at that kind of thing, so we always rely on my 17-year-old. He usually mm-hmm. gets us up to, up and running. All right, so let's get this thing going. What do we got to do first? Okay, so we'll first look on the desk here,
1: and you may notice right in front of you have a replica of an F-18 uh, Hornet stick. I see that, yes. And that's actually a uh, Generation 4 prototype of the Thrustmaster t- stick that they're working on right now.
0: And Thrustmaster is a company who's making gaming... What, components? Peripherals? Yeah. Peripherals, jo- okay.
1: Joysticks and driving wheels and rudder pedals and things like that. Okay,
0: and this does look very much like an F-18 stick. Of course, mm-hmm. the material is different because it doesn't need to be flight-worthy, for real. Mm-hmm. So, all
1: right, and what else do we have? And then on your left hand, we have a replica of an A10C
0: throttle that will be standing in for the Hornet throttle for now. So, if someone wants to be into this gaming Obviously, not a mouse and a keyboard is going to suffice, right? Uh, Technically, you really can uh, play it with a mouse and keyboard. Actually,
1: uh, very recently, we've been um, rewriting uh, the control method of using the mouse and keyboard to make it much, much more playable. Hmm. But that being said, we certainly recommend a a throttle and hopefully at least a I'm sorry, stick and hopefully a throttle to make the experience much easier and feel just much more authentic. Okay. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to ahead and start her up and we're simply gonna do that by double-clicking on the icon up here and this will start DCS world and you can think of DCS world as almost like a uh, operating system where DCS world itself is like a like Windows Mm -hmm. and then we have the different modules which are all displayed along the bottom of the screen they can be different aircraft and different maps as things uh, to take the analogy from Windows like uh, Word and Excel sure. and so on. So in the bottom here, we can see we have an A-10, uh, a FALCO 190 combined arms, which is our ground element, an F-5 Tiger II, uh, F-86 Sabre, of course, our Hornet, uh, the BF-109 uh, uh, DORA, a uh, Black Shark II, and, right. and so on. Many, many different modules spanning well, different eras.
0: Click on that F-18. I'm familiar with that one.
1: <laughs> so right now we have the wallpaper up, and what we're going to do is we can play e- either instant action, we can create a fast mission, play a mission, or a campaign. What we'll do is we'll go into an instant action mission here. All right. And then we have all the different aircraft listed, we have the maps we can play the mission on, and then individual missions on that map. So we're going to go ahead, and let's go into, uh, how about uh, over in Nevada? Sure. We've done a couple tours there. Okay. And we'll just do a – we'll start on the ground. We'll do a, have you do a cold start. Yep. So we're going to hit the cold and dark, and it's going to load up here. Okay. So now we're gonna, you're going to be using the mouse here to um, click on the cockpit. So one of the nice things about most of our DCS World aircraft is all the cockpits are fully interactive. Every button, every switch, every lever is fully interactive. So now you're in the, uh, the cockpit of our Hornet. And you're also using what's called track IR, which allows you to uh, move your head to essentially move your POV uh, in the, the simulation. So when you look down, you look down in the game, you look up, uh, you look up in the game.
0: And it's not just down, I'm going to get away from the microphone to do this, but if I lean exactly over here to the left or lean back to the right where the microphone is to exactly. have better uh, audio, then it does that too. Yeah, it's full six degrees of freedom movement. And the cockpit looks uncannily accurate. I don't know if that's a real word, but let's see, 165407. I don't know if that's a real jet, but this looks, is it? Yeah, I think it's a Yuma right now. Okay. Well, this, between the smudges on the DDIs and the, (laughs) just the way some of the knobs and stick are worn off of the black paint and various things, this looks very much like my old girl. Ah, Nice.
1: That's what we want to hear.
0: All right. So is it ready to go? I can just reach down here. So I'm not going
1: to say anything. We're going to see how well you do here. Okay.
0: Well, as I recall, after doing, of course, the pre flight and everything in, you jump, uh, everything else, you jump in, you uh, strap in. I'm going to skip all that part. The first thing I would have done in the old days is, and by the way, it knows where I'm looking because I'm wearing this hat with that exactly. thing you were talking about. So when I click it, it's turning into an icon. What? It's giving me an option yeah, for that to It'll st- tell you that's switch. a clickable element. Okay. So I would usually go back and check the, what was that, the U bat first or the E bat was mm-hmm. aft. And then go up to the other one. I'd also do a, f- a fire test. We'll skip that in the interest of brevity. All right, so we got the battery switch on. Next, we'll look over here at the APU. And, of course, we have an imaginary plane captain. We'll tell him the signals. So three fingers, APU's coming up. I hear some audio in the background. So it sounds like you have some audio clips as well as we to absolutely everything do.
1: else we actually got a, r- a lot of really good uh, samples from the audio and uh, a lot of that's because we actually have a license directly with the uh, Boeing aircraft and they delivered us a lot of the no kidding uh, sounds from the jet
0: Really? Yep. So I wish I'd have met you at the beginning because I was looking for an F-18 APU startup Ah. for my opener of the podcast. Oh, no kidding. And I ended up having to buy something online, and someone even asked me the other day what aircraft it was. I said, Uh, honestly, I don't know, (laughs) but it gets the point across. So if you're willing to share that audio file, I may have to bum it off you. All right, so I've got an APU green light. That's a good thing. Yep. So next thing we'll do is crank the left. And we're going to look inside. We've got the RPM coming up, just like the good old days. Usually the flight controls will start bumping. Anyway. All right. So at 15%, we can bring the throttle around the horn. Right.
1: Is this so to do that, you're going to uh, press uh, right, alt, and home at the same time.
0: All right. There it goes. We've got oil pressure, RPM, temperature, fuel flow, nozzles are opening. All right. Looks like a good start. Turn on the DDIs. Oh, my gosh. You even have the little... Bitching Betty, as we call her, screaming, "Pull up, pull up!" Right at the beginning. Exactly.
1: Trailer parked. Uh, Tammy. All
0: right. So we look at our cautions. Make sure we don't have a ladder caution because that means someone didn't Mm -hmm. start the uh, or shut the ladder, and nothing is wrong with the left engine. So I did do that wrong. See, look, already it's been two years. I started the left before the right. i was supposed to start the right first. Yeah, no, it's just me (laughs) not having done it in two years. All right. So let's start the other one. So we're gonna go back here to crank right. Mm-hmm. All right. You can go ahead and uh, get your uh, INS aligned. Uh, hold on. Don't tell me where that is. That was wasn't that down here? Yep. INS. There you got ground.
1: Oops. So now your SES page, you got a bunch of uh, X's on that.
0: Sure. We can reset that if I recall. Right down here. Yep. All right. Both engines are running. He's gonna check everything. We'll skip all that. We'll go to flaps half. That's what we'll take off in. We'll set the trim to, let's see, so I could do that probably right here.
1: Uh, on the, uh, the rudder trim, the silver button on the top, press that, and that sets your status okay. to 12.
0: Sure, just like, just like regular. Yep. Okay, so we check all that out, we do our flight controls, uh-huh. we make sure everything's ready to go. All right, this sounds and feels and looks very authentic, Matt. Okay. Very well done.
1: You can go ahead and uh, close the canopy now with the uh, switch on the right wall. And then uh, if you uh, look up, it, Very nice. You look on the uh, camp your frame. You can see the mirrors. So you can click on those to bring the mirrors down if you want.
0: Whoa! All right. Very good.
1: Okay. Yeah. And now you should already have your nose wheel steering engaged.
0: If not, that's just this guy here. Exactly.
1: Yep. AWS right. right. so is on. Get your time uh, on.
0: Nose wheel steering high. you uh-huh. do. Yep. Very good. Okay. Excellent. So, is it worth trying to take off, or should we just jump in to flight? Let's go ahead and take off.
1: All right. So we got the uh, uh, there's a taxi- taxiway right off to your right, which will okay. lead to your active runway.
0: Okay. Now you said no rudder pedals. Does uh, Thrustmaster make rudder pedals? They do. Actually, there's uh, several uh, companies out there that make some really good rudder pedals. Very cool.
1: Okay. And there's some joysticks you can buy where the uh, throttles actually have a rocker that can act as rudder pedals as well.
0: Okay. And the idea, of course, is we just make it realistic but also simplify it so we don't get too lost in the minutia of yeah. trying to do what you would normally do with your whole body in the airplane. Exactly. Okay. So
1: we've got the um, uh, whole short here coming up.
0: All right. We'll assume we have clearance and all that. Yep. All right. Here we go. Uh, check seat. Oh, look at that. It even oh, knows yeah, I didn't arm, arm, arm my, got my to, seat. Got to arm it, yeah. That actually happens to me. We used to. Oh, yeah. From time to time. All right. So this is accelerating pretty well. Did I end up in... Got no, I mean, was I an afterburner or was that just mill power? You're an afterburner. Okay.
1: All right, so gear. So you can uh, press G on the keyboard if you want. G, easier. gear, that makes sense. Yep.
0: And why don't we arm the seat? That would always be useful. Yep. So just press
1: that down. And also you can, uh, uh, on the uh, left side of the seat, you can also tighten your straps.
0: Really? Yep, a little uh, knob there. <laughs> Boy, you guys have really done it all. So the graphics are amazing. Thank you. And so, is this anything? I mean, did you guys do all of your own graphing, or do you share it with other platforms? No,
1: everything we do is uh, in-house uh, proprietary. Wow! Yeah, you know, we created our own graphics engine mainly because there's you know nothing we could really find that does what we want to do where it looks you know really outstanding from the grasshopper height all the way up to like you know sixty thousand feet. Okay. You know, Some engines do really good at ground level, but not so good at high altitude, and vice versa.
0: Okay. So I noticed when I rock to. AMRAM. Uh-huh. I thought in the old days the radar would automatically come up on the right DDI. I'm in air-to-air air mode, and I'm castling right, and I'm not seeing it, so I don't know if that's... Uh, I think you have to be in arm mode first. Oh, you have to arm up? Yep. Okay. I don't think that's normally the case, but I won't debate that. Oh, it's because I didn't turn oh, on the radar.
1: That would do it. <laughs> oh, my, this thing really is
0: unforgiving. Uh... There we go. One more. There you go. That's hilarious. I think it would still go even without it, but maybe not. So you've had feedback, you said, on the flight control laws and various things?
1: We have. And there's a fair amount of uh, public data out there sure. in terms of uh, actually more academic reports mm-hmm. uh, from NASA and such, which allowed us to get uh, pretty darn close.
0: Yeah, I would say. it. I mean, without actual impulses on the body, it mm. does seem to track about the way I would expect. In the light, too, the sun... Rays and the mm. shadows and the levels of darkness in the cockpit are all mm. very well done.
1: And one thing we spent a lot of time doing uh, is the um, the high alpha slow speed uh, flight characteristics okay. of characteristics of the Hornet, which obviously that's you know kind of its bread and butter when it comes to BFM. Sure. All right. Did you want to let me dogfight someone? Was that the idea? Sure. What we can do is we can uh, close this mission down and we'll set up uh, a little okay. uh, BFM maybe against a uh, MiG twenty one.
0: All right, sounds good. That's a worthy adversary for me with my lack of proficiency. So uh, go ahead and hit the escape key. So suggest you go uh, ACM boresight.
1: And right now you're in uh, air ram. You can uh, push down a weapon select for winder or back on gun.
0: All right, so we just had a merge. Mm -hmm. And there There it is. is. Yeah. Now this is pretty standard jello BFF. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right, so let's see. He's probably at my 6 end, so I might as well go ahead and start defending. Boy, yeah, these skills are very perishable.
1: I'll okay, get really slow.
0: Is it? Okay. I
1: think so, yeah, 120 knots.
0: full F over 6,000 feet yeah, with really nothing it. hanging on it. seems a little slower, maybe, but all right.
1: Are these the enhanced performance engines? They or are, they're EPs. Okay. Actually, hit F2 for a second. Let's see, if we got load, roll the other way. Let's see what we have under the wings. Yeah, they clean. I oh, just guns.
0: Right, so where is this guy?
1: So hit F5. It'll show you him and you at the same time. Okay. So there he is.
0: Well, he hasn't shot me yet. That's a good thing. I don't know. Low I am to the ground at the angle. oh Yeah, I just hit it? Yeah, thank you. You <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Fellow zero, make 21-1. All right, I demand a rematch. Okay. Oh, uh, boy. Go ahead hit the escape you. Okay. You want to try a different aircraft? No, give me that guy again. Okay. I, now I need revenge. Okay. <laughs> So, obviously, some of it is figuring out the controls and the system, but mm. another part of it is that, guess what? It really is difficult to dogfight. It is. Yeah, you know, establishing that situational awareness is
1: probably one of the most difficult things for particularly you know, people not accustomed to mm-hmm. uh, this type of game before
0: uh, have trouble with. And there's an element of it, too, because you're not physically immersed in it, that it is a Absolutely. little more. Difficult, but I think with yeah. some experience, obviously, people probably get quite
1: good at this. Oh, yeah. There's um, a lot of guys online who are certainly much better pilots than I am these days.
0: <laughs> well, right now, this computerized MiG-21 is better than me. Right.
1: And the other thing you may notice, too, is when you're flying a game from a desktop, your joystick has very little overall travel compared to like the stake in the real plane. Okay. So uh, sometimes that muscle memory can uh, takes a while to kind of get adjusted to right. it with that much... Uh, and it's Absolutely. probably worse for people who have muscle memory compared to people exactly. who have never done it before. Absolutely. You know, it's probably one thing that struck me most when I had some time in the Hornet Sims was just you know, the stick forces and the mm-hmm. stick travel was just so much different than what you have in most like desktop games.
0: So are you guys working towards that, or do you just accept that there's certain things that you won't be able to do? Yeah,
1: unfortunately, it's one of those issues that really is a hardware, and that's why you know, a lot of these guys who actually build their own home cockpits, you know, they basically have sticks that are mounted to the floor mm-hmm. where they have you know, the correct throw distances to have that correct feel.
0: Well, my old Top Gun instructors would tell you this is pretty standard for Jellos. Let's see if I can figure this out and we can vanquish this guy. And then I'd like to try, you have a set of virtual reality goggles to try too, right? I do. So I think you're going to really enjoy that. Okay. Well, let's see what we can make with this guy first. And then if I end up running out of gas. Is my fuel bleeding down, by the way?
1: Uh, It should be down in your IV. 2.8? Yeah. wow. Make it your
0: six is better than no make it all, they Uh, say. Saddle him up. That's too much. Pirouette, pirouette. To, oh, <laughs> my is, it's funny, my is just yeah, like try right to, to, yeah. to do it. I think I'm almost out of fuel. Yeah, you got your, yeah. your this is, warning. This is humbling, Matt.
1: I have to admit. Yeah, it takes practice. Yeah, and like you're also identifying. There's, you know, there's still some pretty significant differences between the real thing and, of course, doing it on your PC, particularly the, uh, the physicality of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, with your real head. You can turn and look over your shoulder fairly easily. Yeah, this absolutely. was a little bit of a learning curve of right. how do I figure out yeah. where I'm looking and make this thing work. But that's all right. Inlet ice. Okay. Uh, all right, well, all cultures. Is there anywhere to land nearby? Uh should it be. We see where exactly you are. And then do we should we try landing on the boat before we try the VR?
1: Oh we can do both at the same time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Actually landing on the boat and VR is probably the
0: best way to do it. Is it?
2: Yeah. All right. So you let's
0: pause the, this and show sure. the VR and and uh, we'll make friends with Oh, I overstressed the jet, too. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So now we are flying with a pair of virtual reality goggles. And are these from Eagle Dynamics? Or- no.
1: So this is uh, called the Rift, which is uh, uh, developed by Oculus.
0: OK. Yeah, I've heard of them. So and so now when I look around, it's. About what you would expect,
1: and you'll notice, yellow. If you can actually literally turn around in your seat 180 degrees and look over your tail, wow! I
0: actually, looked so far, I did like a uh, yeah, what was that movie, The Exorcist? Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. So you'll see that here, in right? VR, it's uh, yeah. in
1: some ways, it's easier or and more difficult to uh, play mm. than like track IR.
0: Yeah, because there's no way to reach in and flip a switch that I've suddenly just reached for the radar. Oh, antenna. right, right.
1: So um, when you're in VR, um, you can still use the mouse, and that's probably the the easiest way to interact with the
0: cockpit. Okay. All right, so I'm going to come into the brake. Whoops, a little slow, though. Now, this is sure to be embarrassing, but we'll give it a try. Okay. All right, so I should be at 800 feet and about 350 knots. hmm and I just passed over the ship. In fact, I can lean over and take a look. Whoops. All right. So it's going, what, roughly north? Uh, yeah. Okay. Exactly, so do north. There's 360. All right. And then speed brakes? Uh, oh, boy.
1: It's going to be uh, on your thumb there. I put my thumb on something uh, that felt thumb, like it. One more, one more down. One more There down. you go. And pull back on that. There you uh, go. Okay. brakes out.
0: All right. Well, that's all right because at this point. And
1: push forward to put brakes back in.
0: All right. So there's 180. Where's the ship? Okay. Right there, right there. There's, oops, yeah. So gear down, please. Flaps full. Hook down.
1: Uh, yeah. So uh, G, or okay. um, yeah. Let me do it for hold on.
0: Couldn't tell how far beam I was, but that's all right. So at the 90, I want to be about 500 feet.
2: This
0: feels decent. All right. Can I, can I trim right? I should yep. able to trim here? Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll just use auto. Yeah, hey, you're
1: almost uh, on speed right now. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay uh why what's wrong with auto throttle?
1: oh yeah we don't have the um approach autothrottle oh, no. okay
0: it's
1: there. all manual right now
0: okay well that's gonna make things tough all right not enough straight away here it looks like and okay, now i'm going high all right come on hooks down right
1: no actually this is going to be a touch and go oh, okay
0: We should really be recording this. I don't know if that's possible. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. There's an overshoot. I'm not even going to touch the boat on this one. <laughs> so,
2: oh, uh, boy.
1: so look uh, straight ahead and look uh, down. To, let me put tuck down. I'm sorry, a little off to the right. There you there go. There. Now we got tucked down. All right. So let's try. Uh, All right. So that was wave off two.
0: pattern. All right. Up to 600 feet and on speed. Let's get this thing trimmed up. All right, that's good enough. Let's start. So about a 30-degree angle bank. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you do not have approach mode auto throttles yet?
1: No. Regular uh, ATC for cruise, but not for approach yet. Okay. That's definitely coming. All right. It's actually one of the big things we're working on for the uh, ACLS. So we can do the the whole automated uh, approach together.
0: All right. I'm finally trimmed up here. Let me take some of the angle bank out. What are the winds? Can you either specify the winds, or does the game do it for you?
1: Um, you can actually create missions and uh, make the winds from any direction and almost any speed you want. Wow. You know, and all different types of weather patterns as well, cloudy, fog, sure. uh, socked in, uh, thunderstorms, snowstorms, what have you.
0: Yeah, well, it's a lot more fun when you're in your... <laughs> in your living room than oh, it is in real yeah. life. Let me I can tell you. No All right. for your life. But I can see, I mean, this is very realistic, Matt. Yeah. Um, I can see where people who didn't have the chance to do this for mm. real yeah. could certainly find joy in this because yeah. it is very accurate.
1: Yeah, well, that's also one of the reasons I do what I do is because it's you know the opportunity for me to you know, create the games I've always sure. wanted to play.
0: All right, so coming through the 90 yes, at 500 feet on speed. Maybe a little deep, but maybe not. It's hard to tell. I'm going to keep my angle bank in. There's the radar altimeter.
1: How's the VR feel to you?
0: It feels very authentic. Yeah. Yeah, it feels good. Okay, now I don't have ILS up in the HUD. No, we don't have it uh, set up to the the boat right now. Okay, so I'm going to end up probably a little high in an angling approach. So let me see if I can get this under control here. either i do or the system does make me want to end up on an angling style approach Mm -hmm. so come on don't get a little low yeah tax you one more (laughs) (laughs) pretty standard hey but i'm on
1: center line there you go yeah yeah your first hook down approach was a success
0: no it was my second i waved off on the first one hook down oh hook down yeah sorry i missed that part all right, very cool. Now, will awesome. this thing catapult me too? Uh,
1: yeah, we can uh, go ahead and raise the hook and uh, taxi over to one of the cats. All
0: right. The only thing the carrier deck is missing is the hive of colored shirts of the various people mm-hmm. that all have different jobs that we talked about on a previous podcast yep. episode.
1: And actually, that's one of the big things working right now is actually a fully animated living deck
0: wow.
1: with all the different green shirts, the mules, everything. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, how so, close do I have to be here?
1: Uh, pretty darn close. So oh, you're going wow. to have the, uh, the launch bar right ahead of the uh, shuttle.
0: Okay. That so probably went too far.
1: Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, we, can, we can actually restart and do a, okay. a, a launch from the very start. All so right. Go okay. ahead and hit escape. So we'll do a cat launch.
0: And so I assume either the game or some plugin has mm-hmm. the ability to record what you're doing, so you can make YouTube videos. Absolutely.
1: So I do quite a YouTube a bit of YouTube videos myself. Okay. So what I do is I, there's embedded uh, Nvidia mm-hmm. uh, software for the graphics card that I can record everything uh, I play. Then I can, you know, convert to a YouTube uh, video later.
0: Cool. All right. Okay.
1: So you're on the cat, essentially ready to go. So all you're gonna have to really do is once you go uh, uh, full throttle, it will essentially automatically give the cat officer the signal to sure. go ahead and, and launch you.
2: Okay. But
1: one of the things we're working on now, kind of concert we we're talking about before, with the populated deck, is also you know the full launch procedure right. of you know kind of the whole orchestra of the guys you know uh, going around the aircraft, setting up, uh, setting up the uh, the launch bar and the hold back and everything mm-hmm. else.
0: Okay. Now I wonder if you go to reject one on the HUD mm-hmm. and then back to norm. I believe that resets the peak G. I don't know if anyone. Oh, interesting. That, Actually, I did not. I didn't know that. Yeah? That's, I'm pretty sure it does. Let's it's, go, it's take a look over here, right where I'm looking, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, do you? Let's see, and then go back. Right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I did. Okay. I used to always do that because I hated looking at PG ah, at that point. Nice. I didn't really care. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go to full power.
1: Oh, okay. Um, go back. Sorry. probably um, right, too late. We're going to go ahead and set your probably your trim for takeoff. Actually, okay. is it already? I think it actually, yeah. Sorry, it's 16 on the stabs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. That's right. Uh Flaps are at half.
0: Yep. Yep, okay. Sorry, good to go. What is that? Okay. So, oh, the throttles do advance when I advance your... This, oh, yeah. That's cool. Same with the right, stick. So bar, I'm there it point. goes. Okay. Uh, so the launch bar was still down.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't raise it up.
0: No, but it raised up on its own. But right. that's generally in real life something you would do. Yeah, before. exactly. Okay. All right, I have to try another landing. Okay. Uh, let's see, though. Is it still 360?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Now, who's. The audio's kind of right down, right. but who's talking? Is that the Airboss or someone?
1: Uh Yeah. So. Okay. Again, part of the, uh, the whole carrier operations is yeah. also all the new uh, uh, radio comms okay. uh, for, you know, case one, case two, case three as well. So, and hopefully we'll have a really good voice actor for the LSO. Yeah, I wonder <laughs>
0: if we should talk about that or not. The, um, the throttles are very smooth, which mm. is a testament to their manufacture. Mm. I would say in real life, though, they have a little bit of a granular Feeling because hmm. probably because dirt and dust and jam. Ah, uh, right, true, yeah. So they should almost impose hmm. a little. <laughs> I don't know what to call it, but yeah, 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 a yeah. little uh, less smoothness. Right. Right. So I've been angling hmm. before. I'm gonna not do hmm. too well.: On or... speed looks great. You, know, you can train a monkey. You can train me <laughs> eventually.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see how fast a, um, you know, a trained Hornet aviator uh, takes us up versus someone who's just on games before.
0: Okay, so that's no. what I was about to ask. Yeah, you. yeah. 48-year-old male who wasn't an F-18 pilot. Oh, God. I mean, it's a what? huge difference. Oh, really? Okay. No, I, well, think I feel it, better, thank you.
1: A lot of people you know, fly the Hornet, I've seen them take days, if not weeks, to yeah. learn how to get on speed, and you just did it almost automatically.
0: Well, like I said, some things are coming back. Yeah. Other things they are coming back and I wish they wouldn't, like crappy ball flying, but I'm trying. We got a chance on this one.
1: Oh, uh, I, uh, I was wondering why your speed is so high, your flaps are uh, uh, up. Oh, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to put your yeah, flaps down to four. Well,
0: then let's go around.
1: Okay. Let me go around and floor your wave
0: flaps. Wave off flaps. Yeah, that'll earn you a yes. wave off or a no grade or something. Oh, there's a helicopter too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I have to know do you have any reports of people getting quote unquote airsick sick in the same matter? Uh, Not so much
1: uh, for this specific game. Mm -hmm. Usually when people get that airsick feel, it's usually because they're playing something in VR Mm -hmm. at a relatively low frame rate. So what happens is uh, what they see in the game movement doesn't uh, match 100% their physical movement. And that's when you get that disconnect in the inner ear, which can cause that um, nauseous feeling.
0: Yeah, we so, talked about that with Cyclone in Episode 6, I believe it was. Oh, okay. Awesome. I, I will confess to you, Matt, I actually feel a little bit of it right now. Oh, a little bit, yeah? That old, familiar, ah. kind of metallic taste a little bit. Just uh, a, little bit of a right, right, pit in right. It hit my stomach, and I, I wondered if it was from the flying, but it, right. let's blame it on the frame rate. I like that. Okay. I like that answer better. Okay, a little high at the 90. Mm. So if you are able to get the ICLS up, sure. I'll tell you, it'll probably help your... Oh, yeah. Your folks, because they'll be able to figure out yeah. kind of early on where they're looking and how they're doing. Yeah. So right now, for example, I see the green datums, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm high or low.
1: Ah, uh, right. Well, we can do it for the next pass. Can, we'll go ahead and put it on for you, okay. if you like. Uh, come on. Or if you want, we can do a case three next time.
0: Uh, ooh. Sure.
1: You notice we got the eye floss.
0: Yeah. Another taxi one. Yeah. Oh, skipped a couple, looks like. Yeah. All right, sure, yeah, let's try Case 3. Okay. That's and what we'll do is we'll cool. set
1: up the TACAN and the ICLS as well. All
0: right. In the real jet, the peak G won't come up until it's 4 or greater.
1: Ah, yeah, it is true, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, but otherwise, I mean, the imagery, the proportions, the mm. font or whatever, all very, very similar. So, awesome. All right, so I see a light out there. Uh, let's see, we're at 31 miles, is that right? Uh. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just hold this, let's say, until uh, 12 miles, then we would arc. Yep. And then we'd come in at 10. And in the interest of expediency, I'll just keep the throttles up. We can slow down later. Okay. All right, so we want to arc at 12, so we're going to start a little early here. Plus, it'll help us slow down.
1: Good arc. Actually, that was one of my misperceptions that I learned in doing this product. What's that? I always thought with Case 3, you'd be in your... um, your Marshall stack, it would essentially be a direct uh, line from the Marshall stack into the final. Not always. Yeah, exactly. I didn't realize, you know, it was most common actually to have an offset Marshall. Yes. That would require. That's more
0: common. True. Yeah. yeah. I just had a question about that the other day. A fellow emailed me and asked, why would that be the case? And I said, Uh, well, you have weather, you have airspace. Yep. You have all kinds of different reasons.
1: Yeah, another reason it was expl- explained to me was they also kept the direct open in case of emergency. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. So that's nice. I say. whenever I do one of these new aircraft, I learn a ton at the same oh, time. Oh, my gosh, yes, I yeah. can
0: imagine. All right, so 1,200 feet configured, gear down, flaps full, hook down, skid on, light on, horizon unlocked. Wow, well, still remember some of that. Nice. But I don't want the skid on at the ship. I want yeah, the that's true. Off. I'll do that for you. I don't you. want the light on either. Yeah. The taxi light.
1: Right. Yeah. Should be hitting your tip over in about a mile.
0: Well, it says I'm seven miles.
1: Tip is around five.
0: Not yet? Well, it was a three degree glide slope, roughly equivalent. Right. And so that's 300 feet per mile. You're at mm. 12 miles, so it should be four miles. Oh, four miles. Okay. Ish. Now this needs. Clearly more trim. That's one thing I'm not doing well. I see a bunch of flashing lights down there. Yes, the boat. Okay. What are the flashing lights simulating?
1: Uh, should be the standard uh, deck lights.
0: Yeah, it seems a little bit more of a kaleidoscope than I remember. Yeah. Um, you'll have. There shouldn't be a whole lot flashing. Hmm. Um, I it think it's just
1: the actually the resolution. Yeah, no,
0: that could be. Yeah,
1: it's um, sometimes. Uh, deciding not to do a pixel, and right. sometimes then another. Back, yeah. So it looks like a flashing, but I don't think there's actually any right. f- flashing you'll see.
0: So against all odds, I am yeah. pretty much on course, yeah. a little low, and just mm-hmm. only a hair fast. Yeah. Now, if I could just hold this, which I know won't happen because because it just won't, because I'm going to go high like I'm doing, and I'm overpowered.
1: Yeah, it's one little difficult thing in VR in particular, uh, because of the resolution is lower than you would have otherwise. It's a little more difficult to catch the ball.
0: Four hundred two Hornet Ball three five Iello. You only say your name during CQ. Oh, I was wondering why you. you And and I figure I'm CQing right now, so I'm going to throw it in. Okay. See the ball for once. It's sagging, though. Oh,
1: oh boy! Oh dear! <laughs> no. uh, I think you got now. Oh, uh, boulder! Oh dear! That yeah, was looking good. That was pretty standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> pretty standard. All right, dude. That's, That's a good beautiful. approach, man. I think I've seen enough. Cool. All right, so that was humbling. No, man. <laughs> but also was very good. That was, was good. really good. Well, I, I will say I am impressed. You have definitely hit, I would say, within 99.2% accuracy. Looked like there was a couple things that maybe, I don't know mm. if it was just me or if it wasn't in there. Clearly, I need to, you know, figure out some of the keystrokes and the different shortcuts, but... Mm. A lot of it is very accurate, so congratulations to you guys.
1: Well, as a, a testament to you know the, uh, the 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 team who does this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just more of the um, the more visible part of it. Been all the engineers, the programmers, the artists. Um, you know, those are the guys that you know make all this happen. And when we have you know a no kidding guy that you know is, you know flown the hornet and can give such accolades, you know, it's, it's a huge pat on the back for those guys. For sure. To show what a great job they've done.
0: And it's great for the people who never had a chance to do it, yeah. that they can at least get a taste of it.
1: Absolutely. And Absolutely
0: for for those who do it and do it well let me tell you that your host here got in and let's see so i started the wrong engine <laughs> I, uh, I was i stayed on the taxiway i took off no problem i got beat by a mig 21 twice i thank you <laughs> I, I boltered a couple times no actually i got i made it in the daytime yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, it was low badly low and then boltered at night so <laughs> pretty standard jello performance and you know yeah to your point it is very accurate there is a little bit missing in the stick and throttle feedback i mm. think that's to be yeah. expected yeah. particularly since i was holding it in a place mm. my chair is a little lower and it was right. on top of the desk so yeah. it's it's a little different but also just you know for them to build that in the the stick itself and the throttle well the throttles are the same all the time but they would almost need to incorporate a way for the stick to know what's going on in the game mm. and to provide some AOA feedback is what the F-18 does. So certainly an opportunity there. But otherwise, the graphics are amazing, and it's all very close. So thank you. That was was fun.
1: Well, you know, the thing that really struck me is that when we have someone who's actually flown the aircraft and they fly the game for the first time, of just how quickly and how easily they – come to grips with it. You know, the thing that amazed me was, and it took me days, God, I hate to admit it, but almost you know, weeks sometimes to get really handle of getting on speed AOA in the Hornet. But you did it with these without even trying. And it really, you know, goes to show that you know, when you, I guess you have that muscle memory and that know-how, it just it's like riding a bicycle. And as long as the simulation accurately um, mimics it, then really, you know, shows through that if you're really done in the real world, you can, you know, you should be able to do it in you know, the game as well.
0: For sure, yeah. And I did find it a little difficult to stay on speed, and that was mm-hmm. just me trying to get familiar with the trim right. and a few other buttons that I would normally be able to just reach down and sure. hit right away. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's good, and I can certainly see why people would want to build themselves, you know, mock cockpits yeah. because you could essentially have everything right there. And so those components, I'm guessing, are available. Is it also from uh, Thrustmaster or others? Yeah,
1: so what we're using here today is, you know, the Hornet stick, it's uh, still in prototype stage. It's not for sale yet. Okay. Um, But uh, I can't speak for Thrustmaster, but hopefully soon. And I think people are really going to love it, uh, particularly for the Hornet and the uh, Warthog uh, throttle. It's been out for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for now, it's a a really good uh, analog uh, for Hornet's uh, throttle.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And so what does the future hold for the
1: game itself? So the biggest thing's working right now of course is finishing up the Hornet. Mm-hmm. And then we got a new product coming out uh, later this year called Modern Air Combat, which, you know, unlike the Hornet which is really geared towards, you know, people who want to have the most real, authentic authentic experience um while it's great for those folks you know a lot of folks out there you know are a bit maybe intimidated Mm -hmm. um they don't really want or have the time for a huge uh, study period to learn the aircraft so um, mac is designed more for people to kind of come in and have fun um, but also use a lot of the same uh, technologies and assets that we use in dcs But it gives people kind of a more uh, easier way to kind of enter our kind of general space of simulation.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so also adding, I'm guessing, new maps at some point? Yeah, yeah. And any new aircraft on the horizon you can tell us about? So one of our partners is developing the F-14
1: Tomcat. All right. Both an A and a a B version. Okay. Uh, So that's going to be awesome. Another developer is uh, developing the F-15E Strike Eagle. Okay. And then on our plate, you know, of course Hornet's the big one right now, but also working on MI twenty four P Hind, uh, the A H one F Cobra. Okay. Uh P forty seven D Thunderbolt and uh another surprise we'll be talking about soon.
0: Okay. Well wow. And
1: then uh map wise, the the big one there is the Syria map, which uh given today's news, it's uh it's uh, going to be a pretty interesting map, um, not just for today's news, but you know, also, of course, you have you know the 83 operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have all the Arab-Israeli wars sure. uh, as well. So we think it's going to be a lot of potential for that map, too.
0: Very neat. Yeah. Now, the two aircraft you just mentioned both have a crew of two. Yeah. Do you foresee in this game an opportunity where... You're here in Phoenix and I'm in San Diego and you're in the front seat and I'm in the back seat of the same airplane?
1: Absolutely. Actually, we could do that right now. Really? So we okay. have uh, one helicopter, the Gazelle, which you can do that. And then we have the L-39 Albatross where you can do front seat, back seat, multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do it for the Hind, of course, in some of the older products. And then, of course, um, you know, our developers doing the Strike Eagle. I'm sure that's very, very uh, much top of their list as well. And did you notice I put you
0: in the front and me in the back? I am deferring that. to you, <laughs> Matt. You're the expert. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, what's the future hold for you? Are you obviously enjoying this? You're going to keep doing it for yeah. as long as
1: you can tell? You know, I've had, you know, other opportunities come up over the years. But, boy, it's, it's hard to beat what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this has always been a deep passion of mine since, you know, I was in single digits. And, um, you know, I can't see myself doing anything else at this point. It's it's not just a job, but it's a passion. It's a joy. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm very, very lucky.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, I think you have touched on something here that a lot of people obviously like and it, they enjoy it and it's successful. So congratulations and thanks. And you've watched the show. You know that we always end with a call sign. I haven't even used yours, but... Uh, Matt Wagner, Wags, I guess that's one's fairly easy. Did yeah, you, pretty straightforward. And you straightforward. being a civilian, did you give this to yourself?
1: Well, so i had <laughs> two others over the years. Okay. So when I was younger, I used to be called Thumper.
0: Thumper, okay. I used to
1: play a bass guitar in a band. And then <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned uh, years ago, I um, spent some time at Fallon uh, at Top Gun. Okay. And uh, the guys gave me the call sign, Spy. Spy, of course. Of course. Because you were the Intel guy.
0: Exactly. Okay. Excellent. All right, Wags. Well, thank you for opening your home and your DCS simulation game here to me today. I learned a lot. I'm humbled by it, but I can certainly see why everybody enjoys it. So on behalf of your, I'm sure, thousands of fans of the game, thanks for what you're doing. And we look forward to all the new stuff that's coming out.
1: Thanks, Joe. I really appreciate the time to talking to
0: you and your listeners. All right. See ya. Okay, well, another long interview, but what were your Good. thoughts on that there, Sunshine?
3: I really liked it. I was able to listen to the, despite the clipping and the audio issues that we had, that I liked the way that you evaluate the jet, you thought about it, and then you uh, gave your commentary on it. So, really enjoyed that. There was a discussion about the Alpha Command or the AOA Command.
0: You mean like the feedback and the stick?
3: Yeah, exactly right. So, with the control laws, if you will, so basically it's, a, it's, a, it's run by a computer. The computer needs software. Software is generated by coders. So the coders get to prioritize what the jet's looking at, and there's several feedback loops for the jet to include Gs, pitch rate, and angle of attack. Okay. So the Hornet at a certain speed, or I should say above a certain speed, has something called stick force per G. So in other words, when we're flying around Jello, let's say we're flying fast, we're probably dogfighting and doing something that's very high gain. Mm -hmm. We may not have time to always look in the HUD at the airspeed. So what we can do is we have an amount of... uh, force that we exert on the stick will command the jet to a certain g if you will so that's a maneuverability kind of input if you will so that's at a certain speed as you drop below a certain speed they start to blend in pitch rate feedback so because of the g starts to fall off if anybody has studied a vm diagram so that'd be velocity versus uh, g onset if you will Mm -hmm. that you can there's a kind of a corner we call it corner airspeed where you got stall margin if you keep pulling below a certain airspeed, and you can max out the jet or max G above the certain airspeed. Okay. So when you get into that regime where you start to approach corner speed or get below corner speed where you're stall limited, then the jet is going to start to use pitch rate feedback. So you can pull on the jet, and you can increase the pitch rate of the nose, if you will, which is very important. Now, for us in the Hornet, when you move the flap switch out of auto, that removes those G and pitch rate commands and induces now control laws that look for alpha or AOA which is going to be very big for us when we're coming in for
0: landing. Wow. And so, to your point, the stick that Thrustmaster has created, it lacks that. And so, not only do we not have the forces on our body on a desktop-type simulation like this, but now we're not getting that feedback either. And I'm not trying to point out a fault in there. I'm just saying it makes it very difficult for those of us who have done it to know where we are notionally with this aircraft as far as its energy state Because we don't feel it in our body, and we're not feeling it in the stick.
3: Absolutely. And then also, so if you think of all the different stimuli we have in the cockpit, and we're busy, there's the heads-up display, there's the joint helmet-mounted cueing system, there's the rumble of the airframe, there's Mm -hmm. the rumble of the engines. Seat of the pants. Seat of the pants is a great way to put Another thing that we can do is actually, you are absolutely correct in that the stick can provide us with feedback. Right. And there's also, perhaps we'll have another, or we'll have an episode down the road where they actually talk about an an audio or aural horizon Hmm. where they've uh, done some experiments when I was teaching at the Naval Academy where they had a cockpit that had no canopy to it. This was on the ground. But then you would listen to certain tones out of uh, different frequencies, we'll say, out of each ear, and you could level the plane by listening to the different frequencies and knowing, hey, if the tone on the left equals the tone on the right pitch-wise, then you're level. So there's so many different ways. And they've also explored looking at um, vibrations to put in our G-suits so that we know, hey, for uh, for example, our radar warning receivers, right. besides just having a tone, because we can get inundated with audio sounds, that sure. they actually can have different vibrations in our chest to show, hey, or our shoulders or our back to show, hey, the threat is coming from our left shoulder or the threat's coming from the right shoulder. And this
0: is real-world stuff you're talking about, not simulation.
3: Correct. I'm sorry, oh, wow. this is
0: experimental. Yeah, but that's pretty cool, because I th- would think there could be an application for that in simulation. And what I wanted to say earlier is, even in the... Military simulators that you and I have used all through our careers to be proficient or get caught up on something or learn something new, they don't have any motion, not anymore. Correct. And even though the cockpit is more or less exactly the same as a regular one, there's still stimuli you're lacking. Absolutely. and And the visuals, even though they're as good as the what is available in the DCS, it's still just not quite the same because the human eye can tell when there's a screen there or not. But overall, dude, I don't know if you could tell in my comments, but I was very impressed with the DCS system. Like and, it. Yeah. yeah. part of it, I think, was that he had a very large and high-definition display that I was looking at. And I did try the VR as well, and that was pretty cool. But overall, you can tell the engineers did their homework because it's just spot-on with the way the light comes in the cockpit or shadows or just the fact, like I said, there were smudges on the DDIs and stuff. Yeah. It was all very, very good. And in fact, uh, BS, our episode 25 guest, was... Uh, Corresponded with me the other day and he emailed me this he says I was poking around YouTube after our conversation about DCS crazy level of realism looked like real life so that's coming from a guy who's out there doing it right now and uh, he he was impressed too so yeah they have definitely definitely nailed it.
3: Well I'm not only impressed with their uh, fidelity in their representation of the cockpit but also the amount of responsibility that the engineers and software designers have not to give away too much information. Yeah, you know what, I, I wanted very, to touch very on that too. By yeah, that. for so sure. Discretion, I would
0: call it. hmm And I did look it up by the way. ITAR is international traffic in arms regulation. And so they have taken that to heart and they're trying Absolutely. to protect men and women in uniforms. So yes, that was a huge takeaway. So hats off to them. Yep. And then if I may, I want to give an excuse <laughs> for starting the left first, okay. and that is for the last 2 years since I flew an F18, that is how we start the 717 is the left engine first. So negative training. I, I love it. guess I don't know. I'll take my lumps. That was my mistake, but I you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about starting an F18 since December of 2016 when I flew one last. And so I just kind of went back to old habit patterns of or I should say new habit patterns of yeah. starting the left first. So, anyway, all right. Well, I thought that was a very interesting discussion. And while we are talking, if I may, Sunshine, about aviation combat simulation gaming, Mm -hmm. let me tell you about Hampus Bankler. Okay. He's from Sweden. And he has a background in the Swedish Air Force. Oh, nice. Serving as a mechanic on the
3: Saab Gripen.
0: You ever get a chance to fly one of those? No,
3: but that is a sexy-looking thing. Oh, yeah, I agree. Totally. Love it. Looks so fast.
0: Anyway, these days, he is in the indie game development business. And the game he's currently making is called Sky Knights with a K. Sky Knights. Yeah. Okay. And, of course, it's all about fighter jets and an ode to Top Gun and other aviation movies of that era. So I'm thinking like Iron Eagle, maybe. Oh, okay. And the game costs about 10 bucks and is available for PC on Steam. And he has asked me, since he loves the show and promotes it on his site, that if we could mention that if you're into gaming and into Top Gun or the 80s in general, go check out skynights-game.com. And I think we can put a link to that in That's our show a great notes. great idea. Yeah. yeah. And if you go over and check it out, it's not that much. Let Hampus know that you heard it here on the Fighter Pilot Podcast. But yeah, it's a fun like top-down view of air combat stuff. It's it's fun. Uh, oh, there's nice. some YouTube videos you can check out and a couple guys on there bantering about shooting things down and getting blown up by surface air. So it
3: looks pretty nice. cool. Something worth checking out. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, dude. Well, I think well, this is a longer episode, but we probably should wrap it up. Let me remind everyone that the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the position of the Department of Defense or its components. And I assume that Matt Wagner does speak for Eagle Dynamics. So we're
3: just talking about you and me here. Sounds like a plan. Cool. All right. Well, any uh, parting shots? No, just uh, it was a great episode. I'm looking forward to the next one also. Okay, well, we'll pull that one
0: from remotely with you here in San Diego and me in Atlanta. And until then, what do we say? Let's get out of here. All right, see ya. See ya.
2: Thank you for listening to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com Or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101. That's 877-622-4101. Be sure to check out our website at fighterpilotpodcast.com. You can also find us on all the usual social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. For exclusive Fighter Pilot Podcast content, and to help support the show, visit our Patreon page. Please like, follow, and share us with your network. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it.